Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Savage Starlight, the officially unofficial podcast for The Last of Us on HBO. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're back for another episode covering season one, episode eight. This time it's the feedback episode. Aaron, how's the feedback looking? Uh, you know, it's uh, it's pretty full. It's pretty full. We should probably get right to it. Is it, uh, is it as full as a bloater? Is it overflowing? It's as swollen as Joel's infected belly. Oh. And I've got the I've got the hundred cc's of penicillin right here, about to inject it. Tlu at baldmove.com if you want to make the infection worse. That's T L O U at baldmove.com. Uh, let's get right to it. Tobias is up first. He says, some stills from the opening of the episode that shows... Oh, sorry. This is me annotating the message he sent. <laughs> we have said... We've had some uh, questions about how Ellie moved Joel. Turns mm-hmm. out they show not tell us how they did this in the show. And Tobias sent me a bunch of photos that show behind the horse in the barn is a mattress, a filthy mattress covered in blood with ropes tied around it and leading up to the to the garage you can see a mattress sized divot being so apparently she scrounged a mattress uh tied some ropes to it tied it to the horse and then drug so she did drag joel but on top of a mattress it wasn't okay. like the full indiana jones yeah yeah type of dragging experience well, good for her I, that's I, that's the way to do it I've been calling it the Indiana Jones dragging experience except Indiana Jones never actually gets drugged by an actual horse, right? He gets drugged by mm-hmm. a, a Nazi a Nazi truck. truck. Yeah. Um and, and and he's not proper drug. I mean, he used his own whip to drag himself. So <laughs> Sure. I guess he could have let go at any time. He could have let Yeah, that's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. He's voluntarily being drugged, you know? Uh, so anyway, thanks. Thanks for that. Uh, several people also put into that, but the mystery solved. She didn't, she didn't drag. And she then she get Joel just back dropped his... him down the stairs. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm wondering about the traversal to the basement now. Um, oh, do you have God. any pictures for that? Can... Let me know. Yeah, I hope. Uh, well, actually, if you look at the staircase, you can see the divot to Joel's head <laughs> made every time it bounced on a step as she drug uh-huh. him down there. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know. Maybe he was he could just barely move down there. Maybe she just threw him down there. I don't know. Yeah. It was at a walkout basement. We just didn't see the walkout part. Yeah. Gravity assist. Uh, Josh. Joshua says, we know that infected will attack Ellie. Sam did it right after he turned and many others have attacked her. But will they attack her right after she's been bitten a few hours early? Earlier. I'm wondering if she uh, ever has a safe period like Tess did. For instance, the walker didn't attack Tess after she was bitten. Instead, he gave her the kiss of death. Would the walker have tried to kiss Ellie too if she'd uh, been bitten a few hours earlier? Would it have ignored her or possibly attacked her? The infection-sniffing dog cleared her, but the scanner did not because she'd been bitten a few hours earlier. In the case of a dog, it was a few weeks earlier. All this is to say, when Riley turned based on this logic train, I don't know that she would have tried to attack Ellie. There's people attempting to understand, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. what happens to Ellie and Riley after the 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 incident. You know, how how does it actually play out? Um, I don't know. Sam attacked the shit out of her 
Uh, but that was way, way later. Right. And Ellie hadn't gotten rebitten that incident. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, there's the, the one leap of logic is when you say the infection sniffing dog cleared her, but the scanner did not because she's been bitten a few hours. We do not know enough to definitively state. I mean, the scanner could still perhaps detect the latent infection within her mm-hmm. uh, in a way the dog cannot. Uh, other people had this kind of same idea about, um, you know, like maybe the fungus would still attack Ellie because, you know, it, it knows that she's fundamentally not one of them somehow. Okay. You know, mm-hmm. She might be infected, but she's not infected. So I, I think, um, I don't know. It'll, it'll be interesting to see if the show clarifies this somewhat because... I don't know what's creepier, uh, Riley trying to attack uh, Ellie conventionally or like Riley trying to zombie mushroom make out with Ellie. Probably the latter. Probably the latter. Seems like it would be. But mm-hmm. yeah, that'd be fucking creepy. I'm trying to think like, well, how uh-huh. would you visualize that on a show without just making everyone run for the hills in, in sheer <laughs> cringitude? <laughs> I mean, they've done it once with tests and it was and it was a horrible. lot uh-huh i found it very hard not to like you know look look away yeah uh i don't know i don't know i am very curious to see if the show does shed a little bit more light on this uh I zach don't think they're going to zach says are you uh, as you guys were discussing joel and the penicillin plot points especially the plot or the part where you remind the audience that penicillin's also a fungus i had the general thought that i'd love to hear your thoughts on can infected get colds can infected be taken down by disease or infection could even some recently infected individuals not survive long because the bite becomes infected by bacteria competing with the cordyceps to use the human body as substrate or do you think the cordyceps would be better at maintaining the microbiome that best suits its survival in the human body than the human immune system is, making the body safer from other diseases than it is without the cordyceps? This is a... You're going to micro-dose f- cordyceps? What are, you, what are we trying to do here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Just find the there's, right there's definitely, homeopathic there's, mix there's here. There's a Joe Rogan podcast that if you, you know, you call mm-hmm. in and uh, use uh, <laughs> use promo code Joe, you can get 20% off the cordyceps microdose. Uh, yeah. Get all the it, benefits. Cordyceps. Uh-huh. None of the mindless zombie. Um <laughs> <laughs> also buy some battle ropes while you're at it it's the mother of all uh, nootropics yeah I mean I guess like would I rather have a cold or cordyceps probably a cold I don't well, care I how many colds like, cordyceps can ward off let's say uh, a, a newly minted runner it's clearly a runner it's no longer a human been running around for 24 hours fully infected mm-hmm. fully in the grip uh, and a rabid dog comes and bites it on the ankle mm-hmm. does that cordyceps fungus zombie die of rabies or does the uh does the does the infection not even matter since it's a nervous system thing and we're not really using the nervous system anymore uh does the mushroom shut that shit down i mean like i said this is from the who the fuck knows there's i don't think an an answer to this but you got some wild speculation do you have something in your ass you would like to pull out No, I it, hmm. I'm I'm trying to decide how to say this tactfully. I don't know that I can, so I'm just gonna say it's not who the fuck knows, it's who the fuck cares. You've been 
you've been infected by the cordyceps you're dead why do you care so if you, you can, get rabies okay. and die from I'll, it i'll fucking devil's advocate this what if what if the uh you know the fedric comes up with a biological warfare against the aliens like if what you just use okay, nerve the gas common on. cold like jeff goldblum and in independence day yes the anthrax whatever yeah mm-hmm kill him kill him in my anything outside the quarantine zones getting getting biohazed i there's sure. nothing that could go wrong with that plan by the way but right yeah give him give him all covid uh all right. I, I don't know man uh yeah you're right maybe they some some scientists in this world could develop some kind of viral weapon against the cordyceps but i don't know that it does the humans who have been infected much benefit or yeah it makes much difference to them so yeah it's more of just like can can something i imagine anything that can kill a human can kill a fun you know um they get more strong and resilient as they get more fungusy but like fundamentally you know a fall Uh a bullet blunt impact those all work i don't know why diseases wouldn't attack the under like you said the underlying substrate here yeah that makes sense Uh, Let's move on. It says it's also interesting to hear so many people called David and his cult short-sighted or generally not very smart for choosing to bunker down in a place with such harsh winters. The internet and even the creators on the official pod seem to agree that this probably seemed like a great place to settle in the spring. But that was a short-sighted choice. It wasn't as smart a choice as it might have seemed in good weather. But I had a completely different take. When I saw the community had chosen to be somewhere where the conditions are so harsh, my first thought was these guys, super clever. Sure, keeping a community strong through the winter like that's not easy, but they've essentially eliminated the cordyceps threat with their choice of location. What's the best place to be when something like cordyceps is running around in the world? Something hard for the human body to survive on its own. Uh, so that's essentially the the point. Um, I don't know that David did it intentionally, but there is something to be said in most zombie universes, it seems, for going someplace where it gets really cold in the winter. Mm-hmm. yeah uh especially against this like if they can't survive in the 98 point or if they can barely survive in 98.6 what are they going to do with negative 30 you know yeah uh yeah the, so the thing that i came to understand on my second watch of this episode is that they didn't really choose this place it was kind of like they got pushed out of everywhere else right. um the, the the people who were living in the more uh, climate-friendly places, I guess, um, were nasty, as you'd expect, and they just had a hard time finding anywhere that was safe enough to settle until they got out of the, the less harsh zones. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe he's not as stupid of... as I thought, but right. still. Um. It is it is rough though, because like I you know, but the, the other thing is like I don't know that these any of these people. I, I I wonder if you take your average American and you told them to pick a survival spot and you put them into some kind of mountain resort town, you know, uh, if they would be and, and you did it like in June, mm-hmm. so the weather's beautiful, the skies are blue, the rivers are running, the fields are green. And I wonder how many of them would be like, you know what? This is up in the mountains. The air is pretty thin. It's going to get fucking brutal up here. We're going to have like six feet of snow. Nothing is going to, you know, there's not going to be any game available. I wonder, do people know that? Like this guy's spent all of his life in a the Philadelphia QZ and then spent years running across the plains. Would you, would you, would you, would, did the average person know that? Like has that kind of intuitive like client? 
I, I feel like, like I want to say so, so but, but Jesus, yeah. I see some people can't even point to states on the map of the country they live in, and <laughs> sure, you just don't sure. know. You just don't yeah, know. You might be right. And it's not about how intelligent you are. It's just what you, what you what what you what what information you have. You know. Sure. Um, I just I don't think did we not read this on the air? But someone, God, what was it? It might even have been for this. Someone's in the feedback about their mom who lived in Southern California their whole life. And she had an opportunity to go to a ski resort with a friend. And her mom's like, well, pack a sweater. It'll be cold. Like had no concept of sweater. like snow and how snow is wet and mm-hmm. how it will melt and saturate cotton. And, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, I it's like, but why would if you lived in San Diego your entire life? Like, why the fuck would you instinctively know that? Like, sure. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Because yeah, I mean, sure it's, I, it's I, why places that never get snow are ill prepared to deal with it when they occasionally do, because right. they just don't have the knowledge of how to deal with it. Um, it's similar right. to that. You just yeah. don't have the knowledge of what what effects you're going to experience based on the climate. Like, I don't know how to use public transportation. It's baffling to me. It's frightening. Huh. Every, I've, I've done it like two or three times in my life. Like when I had to get from Midway to O'Hare in Chicago, mm-hmm. uh, when I went to uh, Manhattan the time, it's like just like it's like a bewildering. You know, it's so much information. You got to know this, like the orange line and this stop and that stop and what the express. But like if you grew up in Brooklyn, New York, mm-hmm. that would seem insane that a grown man would be intimidated by a public, but I've right, never right. lived in a place where they're just like, get they're, on, get on this line, transfer here and go up that line. Right. Yeah. It's, it's easy. There are maps everywhere. I, I don't know right. with apps on your phone. It makes it super easy, but yeah. Right. Yeah. I, for a long time, didn't know how to do that either. I guess that's the other thing is the two times I've had to really use probably it was, it was in the area era before smartphones. Uh, so like okay. you had kiosks and pamphlets and, the you scariest know. thing to me is the buses because you're not in a station. You might not have a map necessarily. Who knows what bus well, you get and just, on? Just how like transfers work, you know? Like, uh-huh. sure. I got oh, this. I got to get I off ride, this train. Why does this train the go where I'm going? To the L, to the bus, and yeah, <laughs> sure. It's it's confusing. I can see it. So yeah, I I just don't know. I just don't know what other people know. Um, Tony from Tuckahoe, New York, says I was what that's. I like the sounds of that town. That's a fun town name. Tuckahoe. Tuckahoe. Hmm. As I was watching... <laughs> okay, keep going, Aaron. Yep, yep. As I was watching Ellie overkill David with a meat cleaver, I couldn't help but think of episode one where Joel overkilled the Fedra agent in front of Ellie. Could Ellie be subconsciously channeling Joel when she proceeds to hack, hack, hack? Could this be a father like new... Or like father like new daughter? Or is this just a showrunner trying to illustrate how Ellie has become broken? Um, I don't know about broken. I mean, I, I do think this is somewhat of a common human reaction. Mm. You know, this this overkill, this like, uh, um, you you know, like I I don't know. I don't know if people's experience is another like, I, like if you've ever been in like a fight or flight response, it's hard to know what to do with the adrenaline dump that you get. Like. I bet. It feels like you just want to like bust out. I mean, that's it's, yeah. Everything in your body is telling you to either lash out or run like hell, right? And like Ellie is like she is a fourteen year old girl who's been through this a traumatic experience, and she like her brain has emptied every bit of like go fuck chemical into her bloodstream, and she's killed this guy. 
and what do you what do you do now i think a lot of people just are going to like i you see this even animals right that like um you know where they like continue to attack things after it's already dead just or keep prodding poke just to make sure it's over i i feel like it's an instinct kind of thing more than like a psychological thing yeah that makes sense and i don't think ellie's thinking about joel in that moment she's thinking more about herself um or maybe not thinking much at all honestly uh, right. Just thinking, I need to get out of this situation. This is the guy that's put me in it. Fuck him. But I think uh, Tony's on to something about like you do subconsciously even copy your parents' patterns. I don't know if there's mm-hmm. enough time for Ellie to have like if if Ellie grown up with Joel and he like flies off the handle and just like throws and breaks shit all the time. Then I feel like those kids are more inclined to have that kind of hair triggers type responses, you know, rather than finding other, but like, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if she's it, well, it's then like there's, six months. Uh, there's a level of like TV show, right. And the thematic connection. And they could definitely be going too. for something like that where, okay, it's not necessarily the character registering this, but, but we, thematically, as we want you to connect Joel and Ellie's behaviors together. And going forward, it's like I, I know as a parent, one of the worst feelings in the world is when you see your child exhibiting a negative trait that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt <laughs> that they got from you. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's just like, God, that sucks. And I if, if these theories are correct, I imagine that's going to be difficult for Joel. The like the fact that, you know, to the extent that Ellie's going through a tough situation to what has he contributed, you know, to, to what has he taught her in terms of like how to handle these type of things. Has he been the one to talk it out? Is he, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. but I, I don't know. He tried. He tried in Kansas City. And honestly, trying is an underrated thing for parents. Sure. Uh, just just trying to get in there and show like, you know, the are, are, are you winning, son? That unironically is not a bad thing to do to your kids every once in a while. Just just check in and, and try. You don't understand, I think. Um, Let's see. AJ from Peora, Peoria says as i was listening to the official pod after episode eight the creators mentioned once again the decision to cut battling with dozens of infected in this episode in doing so viewers are made to believe that the survivors are far more of a threat than the infected the kansas city quarantine zone and certainly david are prime examples of this while i enjoy pondering the philosophical elements of such a civilization there's only uh, there's one huge negative consequence of this decision will ellie's immunity and potential vaccine really make much of a difference since the threat of infected has been downplayed in the present storyline, I just don't feel any tension that mandates Ellie and Joel risking their lives. I felt it at the end of the Riley episode, but completely forgot about that tension given how absolutely creepy David and his flock behave. Maybe this is why Riley's episode was slated as episode 7 and not the Christmas episode Aaron so desires. This is an interesting point that like mm-hmm. they've de-emphasized the infected so much being in these sparse remote areas that a reasonable fan might ask why all the fuss about the vaccine? Like, even if all the infected were dead, the people are still going to be your big problem. So no vaccine for that. Yeah. I mean, I guess I look at Fedra um, and I say there'd be no cause, or at least there'd be far less cause for a Fedra like organization, which is clearly doing bad things in the name of safety. And I'm sure Fedra would try and spin it now. Oh, well, we're keeping you safe from, you know the the Kansas City Raiders and the the Pittsburgh and they wouldn't be a hundred percent wrong or whatever like that's because uh, like, sure. I was about to say like you could just easily pivot to where like well we're still providing you with 
safety and security from the lawlessness outside. Mm-hmm. But I think people would be more willing to take chance, uh, take their chances with something known like that. Like, well, humans are a known quantity, right? Mm-hmm. Some of them suck. Some of them don't. We're willing to take our chances as opposed to taking their chances with these infected, which they have no defense against. I don't know. I think it lessens the need for something like Fedra um, and lessens yeah. the, the case for something like Fedra, which might be huh. good. Um, so I don't think it's going to cure all the problems, you know, yeah. I mean, we don't have any infected or any, uh, yeah, infected in our world and things kind of suck sometimes. So, you know, the, yeah, it's not going to solve all the problems, but it would help. Do you think they have de-emphasized the infected a little too much? I, 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 you know, I wouldn't think so, but I got a couple hmm. of emails articulating this kind of thought, mostly from people who played the game. And it, like I said, in, in retrospect, I think back and I'm like, it's not like I've missed it, but they are strangely absent. They're essentially a big part of three episodes. Out yeah, of nine so I guess far. When I'm looking at it, the so ways that this feels like The Last of Us is in its plot beats it's narrative beats now instead of its atmosphere um they they did a great job with this up front i felt like they nailed everything with the qz and the area around the qz at boston and and yeah the further we get away from boston the less it feels like the last of us i guess but that's true of the game too it's not like you're you're constantly steeped in infected territory, you know. You're not, but there are significant pockets of infected, yeah, like yeah. you know. David and this and, was one of them in this exactly episode, and they took that out. So the lumber mill that David and uh, Ellie post up at should have had a lengthy attack of uh, infected. And I do think that like there could have there, there's some missed opportunities for Joel to be on like a butt or butte or a, a, you know like a overlook and like have his binoculars out and see a like a service station by the highway and have a few infected like milling around inside. You can tell like mm-hmm. you know they're locked in some place and they're out of the weather but like they're still out even out here in this remote area. And Tommy said oh don't you believe there's no, there are tons of them out here. It's just they're so dispersed just see that like you know walker i don't i don't know like i i feel like yes they should have maybe we could have seen some on the other side of the river of death uh some reminder of why the fuck we are doing this why the vaccine is so necessary um but but also like i don't i don't know when society can resume because like if all the quarantine zones around major metropolitan areas and that's where all the problem zones are and that's where all the like big cities and industry and stuff are like when is it safe to go back into the world and start repopulating it as long as the mm-hmm. infected are out there and they can make more of themselves by with normal people then it does seem like it would be a big boon that like you know, it's one thing again if you get if a, a pack of fallen fall on you and you get torn to shreds. But you know, if you uh, just come across one or two of them and they bite you, it's not a fatal death sentence anymore. That's that seems. I don't know. We've mm-hmm. seen a lot of people so far that would have been saved by that. Yeah, yeah. Sam would have. If he had a vaccine, like Sam. Yeah, that, that's that, yeah. Ton, tons of people. Sam, Tess, uh, Riley, Riley. Um. So yeah. Now's the time to endure and survive. We'll be back with more Savage Starlight.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're getting geared up for the 6th Annual Summer Badass Fest. And while we're working on a slate of apex badass films to enjoy, we've got an early action-packed announcement to make. Just like last year, we're kicking off Badass Season with a live movie watch and podcast recording. We've rented out a theater for connoisseurs of action films and bald move fans that just want to have a great time. Unlike last year, this year's movie is top secret. Hush, hush. No hints. Except, it's incredibly badass. It stars an absolute icon of the genre. We're willing to bet most of you haven't seen it, and it's going to be an incredible viewing experience with a packed house of bald movers. Those of you who came to last year's screening of Total Recall know what a party it was. And those of you who didn't, (laughs) now's your chance to experience it. Meet me and Jim. Order some custom movie-themed drinks at the theater's full bar. Then watch us record the full podcast for the movie. We reserved a venue over twice the size as last year, but seating is still limited. It's happening Friday, 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 June 21st at 7 p.m. in our hometown of Cincinnati. Get full details and buy tickets at baldmove.com slash live. Cincinnati's actually a pretty great city to visit, and we've got lots of details for side adventures on our event page as well. The Reds are playing the Boston Red Sox in their fantastic Riverside Stadium. The thrills of Kings Island just minutes away. And I'll be leading a kayak trip down the scenic Little Miami River on Saturday. Again, get full details and get your tickets now on our Badass Fest 6 page at baldmove.com slash live live. Just so we're clear about back there, it was either us or the ad. Welcome back to more Savage Starlight. Um, let's see. What else? Alexis from New Jersey. I just had a random thought while listening to the main cast, and I hope it's not too late to submit feedback. And thinking about the geography of everything, Joel and Ellie were only five days out from Tommy's settlement when they were attacked by David's men at the university. Could not have been that far from there to the house with the horse garage and then to David's community. Is it unreasonable thing that David's scouts wouldn't have found Tommy's place in their desperation to find food and shelter? Or is it possible that David is keeping his sheep where they are in an effort to have total dominion over them? I'm a show-only watcher, so I know nothing about the game, and David is dead anyway, so it might be a moot point. I just wanted to share. What do you think? Uh, is there... Do you find it likely that they would have made contact? There's a lot of possible scenarios. You know, the five-day journey might have put them right on the edge of the scouting territory of Silver Lake. Um, yeah, David could be keeping his people close-ish um, in order to maintain some kind of control over them. Yeah, there's a lot of possibilities. I don't know. I'm kinda, ride can a lot be of the a stuff lot of I just miles, take it as, as, as fact. What's that? 
A lot. Uh, I looked it up, and a horse's range is anywhere from 25 to 50 miles, depending on how much you l- like the horse and want in it around five days? after the trip. Uh, in in, in per in, day, so you can go. Okay. So you can go anywhere from what is that, 125 to 250 miles. That's a lot of fucking space, man. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of fucking. David's people don't seem to have horses or any kind of transportation, so like they're covering that on foot. And there are only a few uh, scouts, as best we can tell. Yeah, and and I don't even know that like Tommy's people make it a habit to ride five days out and just you know like they patrol their area and whatnot. But and the other thing is, um, remember Tommy's got this uh, fiction that their group has spread this fiction that they're a bunch of bloodthirsty killers. So mm-hmm. um, it could be that if David's people had found like it's like you know the, we're not going to cross a river of death. So I. I don't I don't think it's I certainly don't think it's a deliberate plot by David to keep his people under control. And they're just now getting to the university. Uh, so I, I yeah, I think it's just a matter of they haven't scouted that far out yet. They haven't needed to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Tracy from New Jersey. What did you guys think of the official podcast take that David's community had just fallen on hard times and they weren't really bad people? I can buy that some of them. Uh, if not even many of his followers were just sheep he preyed upon, but they all allowed him to become an abusive monster, even if they didn't know about the cannibalism. They knew he slapped children, that the mother was so fearful of David that he didn't. she didn't defend his her daughter. <sighs> Boy, bad people. Bad people. What do you, what do you make of this take? Uh, I don't know that being manipulable and gullible... Uh, makes you a bad person. I think it makes you those things. Um, David, it's very easy to judge. He's a bad person. The people who have been conned by him are not necessarily bad people in my mind. They've just been conned. So I'm inclined to give them the benefit of the doubt, but not him. Yeah, it gets really tricky in cults, you know, like who mm-hmm. is in on it, who's not in on it, uh, you know, when is it, uh, you know, what what does a person need to see before they turn on uh, a leader? Uh, what has the leader done to get them to this this far? Like we do, we have not seen the many ways that David has made his people feel safe and secure because um, people didn't start following right. him for their health, right? He must have had something to offer them. Um, even if it was like false comfort, he must have offered them some kind of real comfort and leadership. And maybe he was as lucky, but hell, that's a lot of, you know, the way cults start. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's, it's tough. It's tough. Um, you can maybe start to see people like James or some of the other guys who are also on top that maybe know a little bit more and, yeah. um, maybe have seen more. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. Um, people are so malleable. Um, you'd like to think that if you were in a room with a a group of people and one of them got up and belted another child that you would stand up and be like, what the fuck? But like 20 years into an apocalypse after you've been hunted by bloodthirsty gangs for years till you find this kind of promised land that you've been led to. And is it the, how many times if is, you is know. this the first time he's done it? And you know he's on, right. David's under a lot of stress. Like you know he's he he <laughs> he, he we, we just go to say our prayers and sleep. He has to figure out how to feed us all. Like it, there's the excuses you made, and there's fear involved. You know uh, this like I talked about in the main pod. This little girl she can't leave. She's she's going to be on her own if she does. And David makes this point to Ellie: if you don't have us, you're alone. 
uh anybody in this cult would feel that pressure as well if they stand up and they say what the fuck when he hits this kid yeah they're cast out into the wilderness to be eaten by infected to be turned to starve to death to freeze to death they're they're on their own and none of them want that they're very scared of that so yeah because being ostracized and put out of the group in this instance is almost certain death yeah it's basically a death sentence Joshua says, I think this group in the resort was more intent on eating people than anything else. It was easier for them. The four guys at the research lab were happy to kill uh, humans and maybe even snag a horse. At the start of the show, when David was talking to his henchmen about how much food they had, the elk deer moose line was code for the three human bodies hanging in the shed. They didn't have any deer meat. This was further enforced later in the show when David said he wasn't speaking in code. All the meat they were eating was human until Ellie shot the deer. I don't think they had anything else left other than human meat. Also, I think deer, the deer some scouts saw late that previous night was Joel and Ellie. I don't know that there's direct evidence to support any of this, but it does make a lot of sense. And it definitely, I, I caught on a little bit about that. I'm not speaking in code. I think we even talked about that on the main cast, like, is that to differentiate between when they are speaking in code in front of other people? Like mm-hmm. it's arguable either way. Yeah. Cause that's also something I could see. Like, if, you know, like you and your best buddy are in a hostage situation and the guy tells you to do something that seems completely insane. You know, you might say like, look, I'm not speaking in code. This isn't like a movie scene, right? It's completely mm-hmm. innocent, mm-hmm. but David's not completely innocent. Is he? No, no, he's not. That makes a lot. And there's also like that weird look in their face when they said we thought so we saw some deer and then the weird smile is like, well, let's go hunting then. Yeah, I hmm. I'm open to this theory. I like I, said, I don't there's I don't think there's any way to prove or disprove it, but I, I like it. I, I like it a lot. Uh, Blake says right after Joel says the baby girl line in the game his audio cuts out but his lips still move as he comforts Ellie the scene is a few seconds long as he talks to her and you can tell how important his words are to her in that moment I've wondered for years what he says to her so I was surprised they didn't even acknowledge the moment in the show I was looking forward to exploring that conversation and how it strengthened their relationship on an emotional level I don't know I guess I'm just a little bummed and wanted to see if you missed that moment too do you think an additional emotional beat there would help improve the episode So, this reminds me, I guess, of the end of Lost in Translation, where, like, (laughs) famously, you don't know what Bill Murray says to Scarlett Johansson. Mm. There have been many attempts technological to analyze that audio, uh, to do lip read, to try to divine, like, a meaning of what's actually said. And I can't remember, because I know we did a podcast on that, and I'm not sure if we actually talked about that but like my oh, feeling yeah. is the point of that scene is that's an intimate moment between those two and you couldn't possibly understand the context of anything that they would say and it's like you okay. it, it's it's and and you are you know it makes you feel like an eavesdropping in this intimate conversation i feel like the last of us was going for a similar effect i, I don't think and it's also a story writing trick because it's like you don't have to write the the most touching father daughter speech in the world. You can just you can just you can just say hey, it's okay, baby girl, and then drop the audio, and he could be you know yeah, whatever you would want. 
your father to say to you mm. in that situation is what the feeling that you get, you know? Totally. It's an, it it's almost nice works trick. better in that way. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Uh, is that how you kind of see it, or were you? Yeah, you just because I didn't even remember. Uh, I didn't remember the, it. The, the framing. Hmm. Um. So yeah, I, I didn't even register that. Which, if the creators didn't either, I don't know. I maybe, am. Maybe I will say this because we're we're getting close to the end. I, I'm planning a, a Last of Us public re, uh, playthrough, and then you said that you oh, might okay. like join in and like kind of like yeah. participate a bit too. Um. When should I do that? I feel like I want to start the week after it airs and like, do I want to on Sunday nights, like at nine o'clock, just start playing and just play for nine weeks until the the game's over? It's not a bad idea. Um, Because, you know, people are kind of used to gathering to watch the show and it's, but, but on the other hand, like it's Sunday night, mm -hmm. school night, it could take two, three hours to play through an episode length of content, you know, um, I, I yeah, send that into tlu at baldmove.com too, or if you got me on Twitter, hit me up there. Just kind of let me know when, what day. You know, it, would it be better for a Friday night? Would it be better? I, I don't know. It's got to work for you mostly. Got to work for me. Sure, if it doesn't work for you. It's not going to happen. But uh, if I just want it to work for me, I just play it. For, I just I just play it on my couch and not worry about the cameras and the lights. <laughs> so it's like I also kind of want it to work for at least some people. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So yeah, uh, I'm I'm curious uh, of uh, what people's interest level is and and uh, how they think I should go about it. Uh, Robert says I might be late to the party, but I'm assuming we didn't see breath mist because generally the cold up here is very dry. I live about seven hours west of Calgary in Kamloops, British Columbia, and we rarely see our breath out when it's cold because it's just too dry. Hmm. What's I, I'm see, curious about the science behind that. I, I don't really know. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't want to spawn like a thousand emails about here's here's the molecular breakdown of why your breath doesn't show up. I, I was going to say, cur- I mean, guys, guys I'll lived go experience. Off, offline. The guy's lived experience in cold ass Canada is that it can get so cold. And I feel like uh-huh. that. No, I'm not that, doubting it. That also. Yeah. Like I'm trying to think of like when it's gotten really bitter below zero, zero percent humidity, cold. Do I see my breath? I feel like I always have, but I don't know. I, I do here. Yeah. Uh, Greg says, I've been mostly enjoying the show, but I've had some issues with a few of the major themes have been developing or rather not developing way back in episode two. There's much talk about that, how the cordyceps loves is not a moral agent, but yet acts in ways that mirror human behavior, like loving and reproducing. Craig Mason has been very vocal about this on the after show cast. And yet the infected have not been on the screen enough to fully develop this idea in general. It seems that the show has not had the urgency to develop this theme as opposed to many others, yet it's obviously a big motivator for the writers. Finally, in this episode, the character of David almost verbatim states this position pushed by Neil and Craig, yet David seems like the worst possible character to state such a clear point of view. (laughs) The writers clearly pointed to juxtaposition of the egalitarian communist, a religious utopia of Jackson over against a patriarchal, theocratic, cannibalistic, and pedophilic community of Silver Lake. David, in many ways, is the antithesis of nearly every positive theme of the show, and yet he gets to articulate one of the main themes. Does this seem odd to you? I know that The Last of Us is meant to be a constant recontextualization of the morals of each of the characters, but it just seems odd. Jim, does this seem odd to you? Hmm. Hadn't considered it till right now. 
is it My also feeling is like this is uh, uh, another viewpoint on the cordyceps love, not necessarily the the the, the definition of it. You know, this is a man's version of it, not the way they think of it in the show. Yeah, if you want to take a step back even further, um, what they say on the show is bullshit. The Cordyceps does not literally love anything. Mm-hmm. It does of not course. conceive of the co- its its colony of itself as its children. Like that is a very improper and unnecessary anthropomorphizing of this entire process. Um, so it's like I don't know. Like when Craig says that he's being very poetic, and mm-hmm. he's you know he's expressing something. Um, well, and then like, and the and the poetic nature of it makes it somehow worse. Like you know the fact that, um, this human that's infected is perceiving another infected human, and through the complex cocktails of mushroom shit going on in its brain, that is expressed through a mouth to mouth kiss. But like even then, that's a lot of speculation that I'm not sure I would go on with the infected from the infected human's point of view of like mushrooms compelling it to do this. It's tr- trying to do it through the modem, uh, th- through the medium of humanity, and it does a kiss. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, 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 I don't know, and I don't know that Craig even is like, you know, the mushroom really loves in a human kind of way, like an agape, mm-hmm. you know, uh, fam- familial type of, of love. Uh, so, like, um, a truly heinous person espousing that theory, I don't know that like Craig would would, would be bothered by that. Yeah, I, the way I'm viewing it, and this says nothing about like whether the show is losing this theme or not. Um, but the way I'm viewing David's reaction to this is that he is viewing it as license to be the man he always has been, and that's the love he's feeling from this. Um, right. Because he talks about the struggle that he's had being a violent man, right? Uh, and he couldn't enact. He, he couldn't act on those tendencies in the world that he lived in before. But when the cordyceps came along, they introduced love into his life in that they were able to free him from those shackles. Now he can be the violent man he's always wanted to be. Right. That's a very perverse and fucked up way to view uh, love. (laughs) But Mm -hmm. I I think that's how David's viewing it. Whether they're losing it in the show, I I mean, that's an argument to be made. A lot like the infected. I, I think... Huh. I, I do wonder if we're going to look back at the show and say, well, there were some 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 great moments toward the end, but did they contribute overall to all of the thematic things they were going for early on? Mm. I, I could see that being a conversation. I think they're doing a lot of other things that are very important and very uh, useful and interesting for the characters. But you're right, like losing a lot of the focus on the infected and the cordyceps in general is is not necessarily making it feel like they care about that stuff so much. And to your point about like people abusing the language of love, like, you know, we, we talked in the main podcast about how they drew some of the inspiration for David's ravings from like white supremacist, mm-hmm. you know, thinking and it's very rare to if you see a, a like unrepentant racist like a Ku Klux Klan or like a white nationalist like a whatever for them to be like I just fucking hate 
especially if you're trying to you're giving them an interview uh that i just fucking hate <laughs> these other races they almost always say like, i don't right. hate anybody i just love my race and mm-hmm. i want to protect it from the things that are encroaching and like you know why you know they're, they're, they have a whole lot of other ways to, re, to reframe that um but they they show that love you just like david says it's like you know uh you know the, it's 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 not it doesn't hate it's not evil it just loves and wants to protect its children and by force if necessary and the the you know the the bigots are the same way it's like oh it's, it's not about hate it's about love and the race or my race but like what are they doing are they going to like rural are they establishing rural homeless shelters are they doing rural right. soup kitchens and taking care of the 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 homeless vets in their the you know 99.9% white community or are they making pipe bombs and blowing up black churches like mm-hmm. a lot of it like i said it's like i if the, if the if the mushroom could write its own propaganda it would be writing what 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 craig <laughs> is outlining but I, I don't know that it's that's a yeah, yeah. so I think it's something that appealed to him in a creepy way to say it's an underarching um, theme of the show, other than to say that obviously this is a show about love and they found right, another right. aspect or way to interrogate that concept. But I, I don't know if I see yeah. an hypocrisy or if it's being underserved. Okay. I do, I do think with, with the almost universal praise the show is getting um, and the fact that it does have a few weak points that I think that you could definitely almost have, like almost every work does. I do think there's a big anti jerk wave. You know, we had like a circle jerk of like everybody's loving the show. Uh, mm-hmm. I do think mm-hmm. after the show's over, there's probably going to be a wave of like anti jerk where it's like The Last of Us is massively overrated. <laughs> you know, it's very simple, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. very predictable, it's got very tropey, it's this, it's that. And I predict that 18 months from now, everyone will be back with, you know, ready to lap up another season of The Last of Us. So that's the, that's the I, way these things go. Yeah, they, they go like that all the time. I mean, even some of the best films of all time get backlash uh, because they're so well beloved. Sure. You know what? It's it's not nearly on the same level. Um they're not playing the same game but stranger things is like this people yeah. between seasons of stranger things are always like god i don't want any more stranger things does anyone stranger still things care comes about on. stranger things they, yeah right and then... or, or avatar right like apparently sure. nobody gives a shit about avatar but an avatar comes out a stranger Three things season dollars. four comes out and everybody's like fuck yeah I'm gonna... oh man it's so good it's so good and then it falls off till the next season it, it, it's bound to happen yeah people re-examining the stuff that they loved when they were caught up in it uh, and, and really just putting it under a microscope. That's that's what's going to happen, right? Mm. Is every little flaw when you have time between seasons is going to be t- picked up and looked at at every angle and you're going to mm-hmm. see, well, it doesn't connect in this way. Yeah, but it probably connects in four other ways, you know? Yeah. And it's also like it's just no, no suspension of disbelief is absolute like if you right. pick at any show long and hard enough and this show is vulnerable because like you know i think eight weeks in i got a couple of feedback about like really nitpicking the zombie biology here and it's like it's this is not something you could write a college doctorate thesis on this is not like real science it's sciencey mm-hmm. it's more sciencey than the walking dead it's certainly more sciencey than like the night of the living dead but like sure, yeah. it's still at the end of the day you've got people that are living for like 10 12 years in what looks like a corpse state and that's impossible that's just fucking impossible mm-hmm. um they've taken 
a horrifying biological fact about nature that there are creatures out there that will prey on other creatures and effectively turn them into mindless zombies for their own reproductive purposes and extrapolate the, that to the human but that's like that's where it, if you start actually getting into like well how did the tendrils work and how do these people and if there's no sunlight and if there's no water and and it's very inconsistent because some of these zombies apparently just flake up and dry up after a couple of weeks. Some of them live for years and years and turn into bloaters. Like, what the fuck? We just... And the game, again, I can't stress how not interested it is in giving any of those science <laughs> type in- uh, answers. Yeah. Probably to its credit. So I, I think people are going to continue to nitpick. and But I think the thing that's going to save it is... Um, and the thing why it's ultimately a great series is because I do think the characters are great. I do think the performances are great. The show looks like a million dollars. And it really, it, to, for me, I don't know for some people it doesn't, but for me, it really connects to the heart, too. Yep. Like, that's what it's I all about, man. I feel this shit. I feel mm-hmm. this shit just like I did when I played the video game. Yeah. Uh, Amy from Michigan, by the way, has a few nits to pick here. Uh, was that steakhouse made of matches? Did none of the town people notice the huge fire? <laughs> um yeah, I don't I mean, I don't know when those uh, when those drapes were made. I'm pretty sure that almost everything made in the last 30, 40 years, you can't just like spark a flame to They're like fire have retardant. You, and have you seen a Christmas tree go up? I guess those aren't made. Well, mine was made. Mine's artificial. Yeah. But I don't know, man. I've seen I, I've well, seen you're talking about recent. a dry pine tree. Yes, that will go up like a Roman candle. Um, well, I've hotel seen drapes, I, essentially. I, I saw something in, I want to say it was London, that happened maybe a month ago, two months ago, um, mm. where a club caught on fire. They were using pyrotechnics inside of a club. And in a matter of two minutes, it had gone from, hey, there's a fire that started over here, to people stampeding crushing each other clogging doors and hundreds of people dying it's yeah that's it, what it is that shocking how fast fire spreads in an enclosed mm-hmm. space like this mm-hmm. i don't think there was anything unrealistic about this go you can find videos of this on the internet of, of yeah. shit like this happening from security camera footage it's horrifying yeah yeah I, it's, I, it's I why we have fire code that, that limits the number of people in a place because that shit starts happening, right? Like as soon as right. as soon as people, it, it, there's a group that realizes this, and we, we talked about like people's you know ignorance of certain facts. Mm-hmm. Th- there's a group of people who like see a fire starting and go, "This is bad," and they get out the fucking door, while the rest of the people stand by and look at it. Mm-hmm. And those people almost invariably die because everyone tries to get out the same. You got twenty people trying by the to get time out an you exit see that can accommodate one. Yeah, by the time you see that a fire is really bad, it's probably too late for most of those people to get out of a burning building. Yeah. Um, none of the town people notice a huge fire. So I will say, I, we kind of talked around this. Um, in the video game, Joe, Joel just murders everyone in the town on his way to that steakhouse. <laughs> uh-huh. Like, he just kills everyone. I mean, he kills so many people, y'all. And I think you're supposed to understand that, like, every time you cut back to Joel, he's probably murdered six more people. <laughs> so like I, I think David's entire compound has been eliminated, uh, to, to, to except for maybe some children huddling in 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 a house with with a couple of uh, of scared mothers looking over them. I think it's it's pretty much over for this these people. God, and then yeah, the aftermath when they don't have the Davids and the Jameses out there hunting for them. 
they're screwed too, right? Yeah. She also says, thanks for making me wonder how long a group of people can live off human meat. How much of a person do you eat? I, I feel like if you're starving, you eat pretty much everything, right? Tip to tail, baby. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, and finally, <laughs> finally, slow clap for Bella. That guttural scream when David is on top of her gave me chills. I love the episode. By the way, my opinion on Joel has not changed. Kill or be killed in this situation. Uh, unlike Walter White. You know... Uh, many many people told me either as part of their feedback or explicitly I did not hear a single person say you know Joel gave me pause this episode mm-hmm. uh, a few notes one it seems like a lot of people feel like once you're in the apocalypse when it's all bets are off like you know the people who ask questions first and shoot later are going to be shot by the raiders that don't <laughs> and mm-hmm. you know those those kind souls won't make it out a month the other is like people fucking love Pedro Pascal. Oh, yeah. Some of the emails I've gotten from women and probably men are just hungry for this guy. They're just mm-hmm. like, I've never been more attracted to a, a person in my life than when this man is cutting through wow. these psychopaths to get to his daughter. <laughs> and I'm like, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> so uh, the Pedro Pascal of the whole situation cannot be underestimated. Mm hmm. It's bias. Natural bias. Yeah. Biological uh, bias. Uh, and entirely understandable. The man is something else. Carly C says, from my perspective, the choice to eat the dead was entirely out of necessity. However, by making this choice, I think David, perhaps unintentionally, peeled back another layer of the proverbial power onion. At the end of the day, nothing screams I can control you quite like. I will cut up your corpse and put it in a stew and make your family eat it. And because you're starving sheep, you'll do it. I wouldn't even be surprised to find out he's not eating human remains, but see, uh, leaving it for those he controls. <laughs> Boy, I tell you what, you can really make you can you can make up a bunch of head cannon to make uh, David into like an infinite shit bag. Uh, he's at ninety nine point nine 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 repeating shit bag, but you can, yeah, he's he's eating the what the one hunk of deer that's left, and everybody else eating people. So uh, logistically, I don't know how that works because I think the cook is just serving up all the meals um, and she doesn't seem to be in on it. Or if she is, she's cool with cutting up her husband and serving it to both herself and her daughter. That's boy, that's another level of control. That's but, a good because I, I was all, in fact, I was already seen because, you know, I've, I've been I've seen how the the men in these situations sometimes make these self-serving decisions. I could see El, I could see David grabbing his like, you know, deacons. And being like, look, we're going to have to start eating people. But like, we know we'd be eating people and we'd be committing a knowing sin mm. and God will damn us. But like these, they're yeah. innocent. They're innocent. We're doing, you know, so we, it's important for us not to eat the human meat. The other people can partake innocently and God will spare it. I can, I can fucking see them open up the Bible and read the <laughs> uh-huh. scripture to, yep. to base that on because like. That's the wonderful thing about the Bible. It's so fucking malleable. <laughs> you can find a verse in there to, to justify just about anything that you'd want to. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know why the other people would go along with it. Like, hey, here's a special. Uh, turns out uh, David and James and all of us, uh, all of the boys here, we're allergic to venison. So like, uh, mm-hmm. we've got uh, we got a little bit of pork that uh, we've saved for for our unique dietary needs. And just everyone that's not allergic to deer can can eat the deer, and we'll. But yeah, it's maybe it's, they could all just turn vegan suddenly. Well, there Might is that. Be suspicious. There is that. 
Uh, although it's it's it must be rough being a vegan in the dead of winter if there's no nothing growing out and and nothing saved in stock. Yeah. Um, Lily, I rarely disagree so strongly with you on your read of a scene as I did of the widow suspiciously asking what is it and being told it was venison. Aaron, maybe you just know it's too much that you started incorporating the etymology of the word venison and making it more complicated. I interpreted much more simply. I think what is it was her really asking who is it, as in, is this my husband? And either in an attempt to give her the answer she wants to hear or just blatantly lying as if to say, what does it matter? We can't do anything about it. Just tell yourself whatever you need to. Hmm. I found this persuasive. This is a this is a valid take of the scene. Oh, yeah, as valid as any other, I think. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's definitely not my, my headcanon, but I could see it, sure. Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to change how I feel about that scene, but, like, I do think that this is... And again, I, I think they're telling the story of there is a growing, dawning uh, realization happening in this congregation, and it's happening at different uh, different points. I just can't imagine anybody in any scenario, especially if she's in on it and she knows that they have three hanging bodies in the storehouse willingly eating their own husband and feeding that to their daughter. I just I can't imagine it. I can't conceive of it. My brain just says no. Yeah, it, but it's, so, they're different between knowing and knowing, right? You know, like suspecting and knowing. There's a little bit of emotional, mental cover there. I suppose, yeah, but I don't know. My Depends brain on how strong you suspect to it. So mm-hmm. anyway, Ed from Sydney has a, a, a related take. It says, I was just watching the episode, re-watching the episode, and I realized something. The scene where David and James dragged the deer into the stakeout is the moment they both realized they gave the venison secret away. Everyone was served their meat and tomatoes beforehand, but they had only just brought back the deer. The folks knew they're out of meat, so I think that's the point. They all realized it was diced people. I could be. I feel like that's true, and I really like the earlier theory of them talking about the rabbit, elk, and deer as code for the three bodies, because it's also entirely possible that they've been eating people for a while. It's just been strangers. And the real moral horizon is eating our own. So they're saving, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, Alex's body for when they run out of the current stock, but they're trying real hard. And, you, and, and uh, yeah, them rolling up on this huge deer when they've been saying there's no meat. I, I, I did feel like it was a it was a cat out of the bag situation for at least the observant <laughs> members of the group. Yeah, there's a beat. Um, where they come in triumphantly and plop that deer down and they, they smile and say, aha, we got deer. And it's everybody looks dead eyed and, and yeah. David notes it. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah and yeah. I noted him noting it and then yeah. he pivots to, to, you know, some bullshit about how they're, they're going to do great. Right. right. Um, it's got to slap so a girl to get to, to distract people. Yep. <laughs> that could, that could be the moment. Oh, right. He diverts to, we think we found the people who killed Alec. Right. Yeah. Watch out for that fungus. We'll be right back with more Savage Starlight. We found something to fight for. This podcast. Welcome back to Savage Starlight. Um, Riri says, I'm pretty sure I know what the cult, that the cult was not eating Alec because the widow did not turn to David and say, I feel like I've tasted this meat before. Hey, oh, oh Jesus. <laughs> 
Brandon Colorado said, one thing that kept pulling me out of the moment was why David's group continues to live at the resort area. Clearly, the town where Ellie and Joel were located has much better weather somehow. Also, the university where they initially found Ellie and Joel seemed mildly tropical and must not have been too far away. Why are they roughing in such a harsh environment when other options seem readily available? They could even eat the monkeys at the university before the people. <laughs> um, you ever try to catch a monkey? Come on, man. Yeah. yeah. How are you going to um, catch a monkey? It's a mountain. The, the whole thing is it's a mountain mm-hmm. town. And like if it's like the difference between living on the eastern plains of Colorado and living like in Breckenridge. Now, why they don't leave is a good question, but it also might be one of those things where it's like you literally feel like you're living in paradise and even the fall's not too cold, but the first snow you get is like three feet and there's now <laughs> no way out. Like all the passes are closed and treacherous mm-hmm. and um i mean i i like i said i i i think i can see it i think it i um although the university part of it is an interesting but i don't don't know how deep in the winter we are either well i guess no we do it's after it's it's just before after christmas so it's pretty that's a start of winter but you're well in the winter time you're getting you're getting snows if you're living up in the mountain town for sure Mm -hmm. in january yeah i don't know yeah uh like i said i think they got there six months ago thought they discovered paradise had this well-stocked well-equipped town with all this pleasure equipment and canoes and they could probably fish anytime they want and now there's a winter storm and the fishing's not as good and there's no game to be had and they're just kind of fucked i mean maybe they encountered jackson maybe they they went to jackson and they were deemed to be the wrong people like tommy says Mm. you know that wouldn't surprise me uh i think they they were turned away the case though yeah yeah you're right because they like to keep their spot a secret yeah Yeah. Hmm. um john from california i thought episode eight was fantastic though the fire at the steakhouse not even close to realistic a pet peeve of mine from having been in the fire service is that movies and tv never accurately depict an interior building fire a structure fire raging like the one in episode eight would in minutes produce so much heavy black smoke you wouldn't Mm -hmm. be able to see the hand in front of your face let alone any of my uh, the actors faces not to mention the unbreathable and lung-choking particles from combustion of all the furniture, drapes, and fire. Uh, stuff on fire. A pitch-dark, smoke-filled room doesn't make for great television. True. Uh, yeah, it's the thing I noticed most about that fire is when Ellie comes out the back door, smoke just billows out behind her, but she's not coughing at all. She's right. she's It's like yeah. it's fresh air in there. It's like the clean mountain air. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, we, we just did backdraft a movie... Uh, mm-hmm. late last year and like so my my brother is a firefighter and he said the same thing it's like yeah you, you they, they wear that full mask self-contained breathing apparatus for a reason you know mm-hmm. if it was this if it's just like bright and well lit and fiery in there you you you, you it, it, the firefighting would be easy right but uh right <laughs> it's it's not um you got all that combustion make i mean hell you've made a dirty fire people have had wet you know uh shit that's not really ready to burn burn on a campfire it makes a lot of smoke right now put four walls and roof around that what happens Mm -hmm. yeah where's Uh, the smoke gonna go but it would make for miserable television so thankfully Mm -hmm. they uh they they take some liberties danielle says the scene where ellie is hunting before she comes across a deer i heard what sounded like clicker noises i think the subtitles even said so as well I was getting hyped to see an infected and how Ellie would have handled it, but it turned out it was just a deer. I was even distracted with the preparing to shoot the deer because I was expecting to see a clicker. Was this just me? I think they're trying to illustrate 
the sound that a male deer makes when he's scraping his antlers on a tree trying to get them to shed. And I mm. think that like hunters sometimes rub antlers together to attract bucks because they're hoping that a buck will hear think another male deer is scraping his antlers and will try to go fuck him up because he needs to get out the hell of his territory. Um, hmm. I think that's what you're supposed to hear. Um, that's what it sounded like to me anyway. But uh, I'm not an actual big deer hunter, so I, I wouldn't know. But yeah, I, I, I wasn't expecting clickers for sure. Waslap says, for a background, I was a film major and I'm a former premium cable exec production staffer. On Tuesday's episode, he expressed some confusion as to why we need to see the bodies strung up in the barn. I'm pretty sure it goes beyond, do you get it? They're cannibals. The cannibalism pieces build throughout the episode such that we as the audience are pretty sure that David and his group are cannibals, but much like the folks in David's group, we might choose to not believe they're cannibals until Ellie sees the ear in the floor. It's consistent with the rule of threes. Introduce the concept of the mystery, remind the audience of the ravenous uh, eating scene, and pay off with the ear on the floor. When Joel runs through the carnal, charnel house, it's carnal house, charnel house. It's a darker turn. The creative team relied on our implicit knowledge of tropes of the rule of three so far, but this traumatic and grisly image is there to emphasize for us the pit of darkness that exists in desperate situations and the monstrous men serving as a foil for Joel. Truly masterful storytelling. So yeah. Craig know, knowing the rules and breaking him because he's so good at it. He did the rule of four. Yeah, but, I, like I said, I, it it wasn't so much the extraneousness of it. It's more of the questioning of did we really need the pedophile group leader to also be a cannibal? And did that weaken <laughs> the point about, if any, that we're making about humanity? But like, I, I, that's a, I feel like it's a lost, a lost cause articulating that point. I am clearly in the minority and we like our cannibalistic uh, we like our pedophiles being cannibalistic psychos and fair enough. Sure. Uh, a Wookiee says, I'm surprised we haven't seen any kind of bow and arrow used in the show. It's the most ideal weapon in this kind of world as the range of most firearms, but wouldn't attract any attention. Plus in a pinch, you could make your own arrows. Obviously mm -hmm. if you're fighting a horde of infected, a bow is not going to do any good, but the silent aspect of a bow has to be superior to firearms in a lot of cases. Um, true. True. And actually, bows do feature in the video game. I was, uh, mm -hmm. I don't know it's if I'm disappointed. Super stealthy weapon. I, I love using the bow in the game. Oh, the bow is so satisfying. Yeah, it's a one-shot kill if you hit him in the head, mm -hmm. and it does not alert people to your presence. Which is pretty unrealistic. If you've ever fired any kind of actual <laughs> bow, they make fucking noise, man. They like, do. Then not just like a twang, like it's like a thunk, you know, uh, even with like string silencers and all kind of stuff. It's I mean, spooks deer a lot of times, um, you know, they're, they're, they're a lot noisier than you think. But but yeah, yeah, for video game purposes, it's like silenced weapons. Like it's just oh, it's mm -hmm. just it's you can't even hear it. Um, also, it's it's a lot. It's a it's not particularly easy to make a good bow. It's really hard to make a good arrow. Like, you think you're just going to go grab a limb and, like, fucking tie an arrowhead on it and some turkey feathers in the back and have it fly <laughs> straight enough to hunt? You got another thing coming to you. Uh, mm -hmm. So, but I, I agree. I agree. I think it's like, uh, it seems like in this game, uh, this this game, in this show, they're being a lot simple about the weapons. You've got pistols. You've got assault rifles. You've got the long rifles. And we're not, we haven't ever seen a shotgun yet. 
uh a lot of the weapons that we see in the game uh just haven't featured uh there's no magnet you know like big big fucking hand cannons uh mm -hmm. pipe bombs they haven't had any pipe bombs or anything like that so but yeah arrow in the game choice uh todd says as a longtime gamer who's never played the last of us it's easy to see traditional game beats and scenarios coming a mile away in the show a rolling concrete floor boss fight coming up henry and sam join the group going to be an escort mission with a likely tragic ending new creepy preacher teacher character must be another boss fight this might be why the bill and frank episodes have been my favorite it's so unvideo gamey I still really enjoy the beautifully acted and shot show, but it's a video game roots keep a lot of the plot predictable. I think this is a fair criticism. This is a very tropey show and it does where you think it's go. Well, I don't know where you think it's going. Maybe moment the moment is predictable, but like where the story goes, I don't know. I, I maybe I'm a simple video game player, but I find the storytelling uh, thematically at the heart of this show would be pretty fucking complicated and interesting. Yeah. I, I mean, absolutely for a video game. Uh, it was, it was very good storytelling when it came out. Still kind of is in a lot of ways. Um, and the, the show, this is a hit show that everyone's liking. It's still telling a pretty compelling story. Cause this is the video. Yeah, yeah. You know, it is the video game story stripped down to its uh -huh. essential plot, plot wise. Yeah, Totally. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, it, look, uh, a mediocre plot executed at extraordinary levels can still be extremely good. And I think sure. that's, that's what they're doing. I, I've said since the beginning of this, look, the plot on this game is very thin. Like the narrative mm. beats are in the game. They're few and far between. There's a lot of action, but the, in the, in those, uh, interims and you're probably not going to get a ton of that in the show. So they got to nail the moments they have, and I think they have e easily. I mean, the the acting in the show has been so good. The mm -hmm. writing has been so good around the characters that I, I forget that we're dealing with some fairly tropey, thin, thinly, you know, uh, eh, thin, thinly plotted story here. Mm-hmm. And some of it is like a weakness of the um, like genre, like a traveling roadshow type of plot. Um, when you meet new strangers, they're either going to be a villain that has to be overcome or they're going to be a companion that's probably going to die. <laughs> yeah, there's like two options. Yeah, I mean, there's because, more, but because cause Joel and Ellie are going to keep motoring on no matter what mm -hmm. happens, which means that the the resolution, the plot has to be resolved before it's one way or another, even if the resolution is a messy retreat. That's still mm -hmm. going to definitively end the action. So, um, I don't know. I, I it's it's crazy because I feel like they've taken a lot of video gamey stuff out of it. But yeah, structurally, I guess that's the other yeah. thing. But I'm not enjoying it any less for that. Yeah, I don't think I I agree. But I do think this is the for like ten or so percent of the population. It seems to not be getting this. That are immune to the cordyceps infection. It seems like this is. Uh, the fact that it's predictable and video gamey and just by its inherent structure, it's like, you know, mm -hmm. this is going to happen. That's going to happen. But yeah. Um, and I've like... seen people do this very wrong too, and try and overreact and overcorrect for that uh, just by subverting your expectations in those moments. 
Sure. The show's not doing that. They're leaning into the game plot. Oh, God, that was The Walking uh, Dead constantly. We can't just do what the yes. comic book did because then people right. will be bored. Fuck you. Just, just right. no. 60 just do, people just, have read the comics. Just tell just the story. Do the, just do the comic good. All right. Uh-huh. Can we can we do that? <laughs> Apparently not. That's impossible. Mm-hmm. Um, this is going to be the end of the non-spoiler section. In fact, we have no true spore lore. We've only has the, the we only have the super evolved super spore lore. It's much more resistant, uh, harder to kill. Uh, it's going to take one of those infected three Molotov with... cocktails and every round in your shotgun to, <laughs> yeah. to, to, to put it down. And unless and you have, ex- it also has rabies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> unless you have. Uh, a lot of experience with The Last of Us 2. I wouldn't recommend staying staying uh, uh, past it. So uh, if that is you, if you are a The Last of Us gamer or a not gamer yourself, you need to get out of here. Uh, but before you do, uh, parting words, T-L-O-U, T-L-O-U at baldmove.com is how you leave feedback. Support.baldmove.com is how you uh, get uh, exclusive bonus audio content and ad-free feeds. Hey, it's a great time to join. Uh, it's the last instant talk for the finale you want you want to you you want to be you, you, what what else, what are you going to do? You're going to you're going to call your your aunt. You're going to call your your high school buddy. Talk about talk about the Last of Us at ten o'clock on a Sunday night. Get real. You're going to go to <laughs> baldmove.com and you're going to check, but but you're going to be denied unless you do the support.baldmove.com thing. So I don't want anyone to be disappointed. I'd encourage you to do that. Uh, finally, twittercom baldmove is how you uh, find out everything else we're doing we're doing so much stuff we just started uh mm-hmm. i got to see a uh, series of watching silly 80s action move uh, shows like the a team with my friend jay uh we got the picard show we've got uh, our buddy pete peppers just started doing a, a breaking bad retrospective called growth transformation decay nope. jim and i are going to be growth, on an episode growth of decay transformation damn it <laughs> gdt not gtd mm-hmm. uh and with Yellow Jacket starting up next week, that's going to uh-huh. be fun. What's there's one other big one that's coming that's dropping. Mando's on right now. Oh, with the Mandalorian, yeah. Mm-hmm. We're going to be recording that right after we record this. So follow us for all that stuff at Twitch. Not goddamn it, Twitter. dot com slash bald move. All right, surely ninety five percent of the people already bailed out probably before I got to the support advertisement. Let's talk about super spore lores. Uh, Judas sent in. An interview with IGN or by IGN with Craig um, Mason. It looks like it was at the premiere. I was not aware of this, but he directly said that he and Neil have already talked about adapting The Last of Us 2. And it's their shared opinion that it's too big and complicated a game to be able to be told in one single season. Ooh-wee. All right. So, having said that, I when, feel when like... When was this interview? This was, it was, it looked like just because I saw Bella in the background and I've seen her from the gala premiere and she's wearing the same outfit. So, I think it was at the, the world premiere, you know, where they had everybody huh. show up and okay. watch it together. Um, and he was interviewed on the red carpet and this IGN was asking about it. And he, he said, he said, it definitely is too big and complicated to be told in a single season of television. So, I think that they're going to uh, do the inciting of... You're probably going to have an episode of Life in Jackson and the inciting event, and that's going to be the climax of that episode. And then we're going to have the entirety of Ellie's stalking Mm -hmm. Abby. And right as the POV flips at the theater, 
that's going to be the season finale. Yeah. And we're going to be like, what the hell? How does she get out? And then, and we're not even going to be prepared for the all Mm -hmm. Abby show the next season. And it's going to be a lot of fun. I actually, that's going to be a real challenge for the community to stay. Mm -hmm. If they end on that cliffhanger to be like, well, just wait until you see the next season. It's entirely Abby. People Mm -hmm. fucking lose their minds. Structurally, it makes probably the most sense. It's but, just a real. It's a tough one, whew. man, because that's designed. Maybe it's maybe it's good. Maybe because like I've been skeptical because I think being forced to play Abby while your emotions are still up is the best way to play that game. But mm-hmm, I am persuaded mm-hmm. that maybe a cooling off period of a year would give some people some perspective on that. Yeah, yeah, probably. I mean, it's supposed to be a challenging thing, right? There's no way to do it effectively and not have it be challenging for audience members. So I guess do it as best you can. If Craig and Neil say to HBO, okay, here's the deal. We want to shoot all of uh, Last of Us 2 as a single unit. Do all of this, like do a Lord of the Rings deal, but we're going to do like essentially it's going to take two seasons. I can't imagine it'd be more than two seasons. We're going to take two seasons. Mm -hmm. We're going to shoot them both. If you're HBO, do you do that? And do you release them a year apart or do you like release it one in one quarter and one like wait three months and release another in another quarter? So you spread the income out over quarters, not fiscal years, but fiscal quarters. Or do you just be like, nah, fuck that. Let's make the first part of season or last of us two. And then we'll do the conventional 18 to 24 months. Wait until the next one. Uh. I don't know which they prefer to do. I, I mean, I, I I can take a guess. It'd probably be cheaper to film them all back to back, right? Um, yeah. At least to film the the ending stuff of game two while they still have Bella under contract, um, hmm. and 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 on set and everything. Don't have to worry about production schedules with her. Like, get all oh, the right. Ellie stuff out of the way. Bring you know the person who's going to play Abby in to do that stuff with her. And then continue right. on from there. That'd probably be the cheapest way to do it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So I imagine that's what they would prefer to do. But it's you know it's down to a matter of logistics and scheduling and writing. Like, can they get all that writing done before they do you go think into they production? Can do the final Ellie chapter that kind of bring. Do you think they can do that in a single episode? I bet they could. Probably, especially if it was like they had to stretch it out to an hour and a half. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't remember it super well, but you're talking about like the the Abbey fight, the farm stuff, like all of that in a single episode. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, cause all I was that thinking, Dina stuff. What kind of Dina? What Dina stuff is there? A- am I wrong to think that the end of the game is is a lot to do with like them retiring onto a farm together, I think and then Dina do. realizing I think, she. I think- I think they do that before they find before Tommy comes back and says there's do evidence they? of Abby. Okay. That happens all before oh, okay. her and Dina take off. Because I think when Abby, when I'm sorry, when Ellie gets back, that um, that Dina's taken off with the baby. It's like the farmhouse is empty. Okay. Yeah, like I said, uh, I, it's been a while. I don't remember that game very well. Yeah, I think I think they so do. I, I think I think because like essentially you start like uh, Abby does the Abby stuff and then it fades to black and then we're at Ellie and she is tracking uh, Abby down to that last suburb in like San Diego or whatever they're at. And then she finds <laughs> the compound and then, yeah, she in, she invades that. And 
but yeah it feels like you could do all that in an, in an hour but um yeah and i don't think I, the scheduling is gonna be super hard on a show like this it's pretty isolated right like you might have ellie and dina in an episode you might have ellie and abby in an episode and trying mm-hmm. to get their schedules to line up wouldn't be that hard but yeah but you're right you could you know. could get all the bella stuff done like and while you're shooting that so just because you just need her for another episode or two and then there'd be you'd be done she'd be right you'd have to be ready with abby is the only problem right like you'd have to have the actor you'd have to have you have uh, to have her anyway unless you're gonna not that they want her in which this is true might but you have to have that anyway unless you're going to hide the identity of the person that kills joel uh yeah yeah you're right I like that, people who are too good to listen to the spoiler section. I like that spoiler. Kills Joel. Yeah, yeah. Bet you're wishing you didn't listen now, huh? Anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just, I did, I don't know. I love, I love fucking with the... the, the and then when they go to spoiler, space... Spoiler files? I mean, it's a shame yeah. that Joel had to die in space, right? It I is. Mean, that was... Yeah, and the fact that it's all simulation is yeah. a really fucking crazy thing. <laughs> and then Kinda Netflix canceled the it. It's fucked up. Yeah. It's real fucked up. Fucking Netflix. <laughs> Canceling HBO shows on us. Yep. Um. Yeah, that changed it. Knowing that they are already thinking about splitting it into, like, that changed everything. Because I think there, if, if you're going to do a two season, there is an obvious. And I don't think it's mm-hmm. as good. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I, I don't think The Last of Us Two would have worked as well as if the first half of it was the game and then the other half was DLC that you had to wait a year I, for. It's still gonna be fucking glorious watching the internet go off on the third season, right? Because it's gonna happen. I mean, yeah. that's yeah. the point. It's designed. That you're angry about playing this right. character that you hate so much, and to yeah. stick with her for the first like five, six, seven, who knows how many episodes, right? And she's happy, oh and there's the God. community, and they're petting the fucking dogs, those fucking dogs. Right. The rage quitting that's going to happen is going to be yeah. epic. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm looking forward to seeing it. Yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm. This is. I mean, it's it's this and Severance, the thing I'm the most excited about now. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. And I and I'm pretty fucking excited about stuff like Foundation, House of the Dragon, but like these two are just on a whole other level with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Greg says I just listened to the feedback podcast and didn't hear anyone mention the take on me was also the song that Ellie sang to Dina when they first get to Seattle guess it's hmm. another easter egg for the people who played the second game I didn't even remember that nope I didn't uh, either but that's cute that's cute I'm looking for I, did you, you think I should play that game immediately after I play The Last of Us 1 or should I wait and like do a play through before The Last of Us 2 or should I do do the both play through after, yeah play it twice why not yeah, I don't think I'd do a public performance of The Last of Us Two, uh, just because it's just mm-hmm. such a huge spoiler. Um, yeah, and I'm not in, I'm not here to enable you sickos. Uh, but yeah, I might I might do a private playthrough and then do a public playthrough after the 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 Last of Us season two, mm-hmm. and then stop playing for a year, eighteen months until. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's see. John says, do you really think HBO and more importantly, the HBO execs have confidence to kill Pedro Pascal off early in season two? If they do, I honestly can only see them doing it one way. Can't kill him in a season finale or even the end of an episode. They need to do it at the beginning of an episode so they can force feed the flip and not really allow the audience to not return or play at the timelines so that you experience the story non-linearly so that his death doesn't actually occur until late season. Hmm. Ooh, I don't know. 
I think that you have to have the balls to kill Pedro Pascal, probably at the finale of the first episode, if not the beginning of the second episode. The the mm-hmm. the, the longest you could put it off is at the end of the second episode, because I could see the first episode all be about normalcy. And there's some tension yeah, between Ellie and Joel. Yep. And El, you got your your getting a lot of guitar playing. A lot of guitar playing. A lot of Ellie's walking around, <laughs> meeting the town, show how well adjusted she is, and she's got this uh, Dina girl. And you know, instead of flailing around, uh, I decided to look it up on the Wikipedia. Uh, Joel. So Joel and Tommy are out on patrol when they find Abby injured, and somehow they end up taking her back to her people. They are they find out the who their identity is. Uh, meanwhile, Abby and Dina are worried about what's taking Joel and Tommy so long because they got caught up in this whole Abby situation. They go to go find them and they find them and and get into the building right as they're beating Joel to death. And I think they spare Tommy and Ellie and Dina intentionally because, you know, they're not bad people, right? They, they gave him that mm. gift. Um, but of course, you know, Ellie's got to swear vengeance. So I... I feel like that stuff all goes down in the first episode. And then if they if they drag it any yeah. f- further out than an episode two, then I think it's going to hurt the story. Because what, no, the, like, right. yeah, how do they push that back? Like, why would Ellie be in the wilds? Like, how would they explain why she's going to Seattle and why she's finding these people, why she's getting vengeance? Mm-hmm. Like, she's just not going to talk about Joel, <laughs> you know, in that context. No, no they have to. Uh, they They will. Okay. And I'll tell you this, I think Bella Ramsey can absolutely carry this show in uh-huh. season two. Like, I might have been worried about that a year ago, but like, nah. Like, I I mean, that's the thing. It's like, I, we played the game, we went through all these experiences, and we finished it. It was beyond bullshit when Joel died, right? Uh-huh. You almost want to stop playing there, but you got to see, and like, you know, and and Ellie turns out is a pretty good ass kicker. So it's just as fun to play with Ellie as a ever, you know, with Dina at her side as it was to be Joel with uh, Ellie at her side. So I was like, I think people will be fine. I think there's going to be some people to rage quit. There's going to be some people to love it even more. There's going to be some people to become fans of the show because they hear about what a cut of fucking crazy. Did you hear they killed Pedro Pascal in the first episode of season two? Holy shit. Like that kind of stuff gets people watching, you know? So yeah, I think the show will be fine. We spend so much time with Ellie uh, and she's become a character I love just as much, if not more so than Joel yeah. uh, by by the end of this season. So, yeah, hopefully, hopefully people will stay tuned in for her. OK, we got two two potential breakdowns of how they can do part two. David B says uh, since Last of Us Part Two is such a massive game. What if they have a four or six episode miniseries explaining the groups of the WLF and the Seraphites? Maybe explain how the groups came to be in the war in Seattle between the two. It could be sort of a buffer between seasons one and two. Then season two can be a nine to ten episode run following along the first part of the game with Ellie's Kill Bill volume one like revenge story and season three following the second part with Abby's story. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know about I don't know about the miniseries. I think I think we could do without it. I wouldn't say no. I wouldn't say no to like, sure, especially sure. finding out more about. And I guess they could streamline some of the stuff later. Like you wouldn't have to get to know the WLF people and uh, the Seraphites people. But ah, if you're going to split it into like uh, to me, if once you split it in two seasons, everything else falls in line. Mm-hmm. Totally. 
Um, Nick says, by so- something of a writer myself, I would have had the plot that Game 3 looks something like this. So this is speculation on what The Last of Us 3 might be. We asked last episode. Mm-hmm. Abby finds Ellie at the farmhouse where she lives by herself, ruined by the guilt of her past actions. She then tells Ellie that she's found the second band of fireflies she's been looking for, and they believe they can still finish what was started all those years ago and make the cure. Now, Abby hasn't been in this Firefly base, or maybe she has, but either way, they need to make another cross-country trip while working together to get to this base and finish uh, what they started. We know Ellie wanted her life to mean something, and she wrestled with the fact that her life did mean something to Joel. So maybe while she's down for sacrificing herself for the cure, as they get closer and closer to the base, she realizes that Joel gave up everything so she can live, and going through with this would mean Joel died for nothing, and this is something that she battles throughout her journey. Abby sees Ellie's sacrifice as finishing her dad's work, which would bring the ending she wanted that killing Joel didn't. But in the end, Abby stops the fireflies from killing Ellie out of love, be it romantic or friendship. Uh, either way, Abby becomes the Joel. I don't know about the resolution, but the hook is tasty. Mm-hmm. Abby totally. coming back like, look, I know who know. I don't even know how you describe how they left things, but you have a gift and I know the people that can use it and it doesn't look like you've got much to live, you know, like you know, Ellie's in a bad spot at the end of volume two. I can and see Ellie's that conflict over dishonoring Joel's memory by doing that. Yeah. yeah. Making his sacrifice worth nothing. Yeah. And it, it makes perfect sense. It's something absolutely would bring the two women together. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe over their be- better judgments because they both desperately want the thing that they're working for, which is b- to and, make this all mean something. And setting up the, those internal conflicts in each of them, I think, is like super important, right? You need yeah. you need that for some kind of arc. You need that yeah. for for drama and tension. And yeah, I I like it. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, and if Dean, if Dean has absolutely left Ellie and took the baby with her. Then uh, I could see Ellie deciding to just like because I, I don't see Ellie. I don't think Ellie throws away her life if she is involved in that child's life. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know. I guess she kind of does anyway when she makes a choice to to pursue vengeance when she gets the chance. Sure, sure. Um. Tracy adds on their uh, she so she, Tracy had almost the exact same take. It came in like hours after Nick's, and she added on their journey to the Firefly Medical Center. They're stalked and hunted by hunted by Fedra, who surely wouldn't want a cure as it would end their rule. I thought that was interesting too. They could have Fedra like at large has gotten, and they're like actively trying to stop it because, as you pointed out, it might threaten their power structure. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know how that would actually play out, but that's that's an interesting uh, one thing that people are not liking about the season is it doesn't, it feels like, yes, everything is just like monster of the week or, you know, faction of the week, having an overarching like Fedra threat hunting you across the landscape would solve that, give you a kind of a big bad. Yeah. And makes for some good action sequences in a video game. All right. That's it. Uh, I've already given the outro once. So real briefly, T Lou at baldmove.com, T L O U at baldmove.com for feedback, support.baldmove.com to help us keep the pods potting, and uh, twitter.com slash baldmove if you want to keep up with the latest. That's it for the feedback show. Thanks for everybody sent in. Thanks for listening. And uh, we'll see you Sunday night, hopefully, for the finale of The Last of Us. Oh my God. Oh my God. It's felt like a look over great height. <laughs> right. This thing's over next week. Mm hmm. All right, we'll see you guys Sunday.